athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Wow. It's Friday! A little bit past 7 in the East, 4 out West. Every time I step in the booth, I bring the truth. You're locked into the dopest show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. What you heard, of course, was from the film Remember the Titans when Coach Yost told his guys, you blitz all night. He gave the Remember the Titans speech. Do you think that's the same speech that Todd Bowles gave or a similar speech that Todd Bowles gave to the Buccaneers? Because I'll tell you what, that's in essence what the Buccaneers did. The Buccaneers blitzed all night, made Pat Mahomes uncomfortable. And while... I definitely was wrong and wrong by a lot. I thought that the Chiefs would win, and I thought it would be a high-scoring game. I was wrong on both accounts. What I did mention is that Todd Bowles needed to blitz and blitz at the right moments, and he certainly did that. I mean, the Bucks were after Mahomes all night, and it resulted in a big Super Bowl victory for the Buccaneers. And so we're going to talk or wrap up the Super Bowl today here on Box to Row. As a matter of fact, we're also going to talk to a champion, Super Bowl champion today here on the program as we're going to be joined by Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith, special teamer and defensive back. For the Buccaneers, he played his collegiate ball at North Carolina Central. He's going to join us today on the program. I want to get some perspective on him, on what it meant to be on that field, to be a part of that team that won the Super Bowl. And remember, you got a lot of guys that are coming into the situation. Ryan Smith was originally drafted by the Buccaneers in the 2016 NFL Draft, a fourth-round pick again out of North Carolina Central. He's been with the organization and now is a Super Bowl champion. So Ryan Smith is going to join us today here on the program. Listen, 
Got to speak the truth. There's so much going on. I want to, a couple of things. First of all, Bill Nunn posthumously elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Bill Nunn is a West Virginia State graduate. For those that are unfamiliar with Bill Nunn, West Virginia State graduate was a sports writer for the Pittsburgh Courier, which was the newspaper back in the day, particularly as it related to black sports and the coverage of black sports and even more specifically black college sports. Well, he was hired by the Steelers in 1970 to scout the HBCU ranks. And he did that for what? 44 years. He was with the Pittsburgh organization from 1970 until 2014 when he passed away and you talk about those great Pittsburgh Steelers defenses, the ones that won Super Bowls in the 1970s, the Mel Blunts of the world, the Donnie Shells uh, of the world. All of those players scouted by building Elsie Greenwood, who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. So many other players over the years, you look at, you know, you look at a Javon Hargrave. He was being scouted, right, uh, while he was at South Carolina State. Uh, you look at any number of players from South Carolina State that went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, so many. And those are just a few that kind of come to mind. Well, he was posthumously inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and very well deserved. I mean, you know, you see the National Football League. I mean, we're seeing more recently that the league is aligning itself with HBCUs, even though we've known for years that some of the best players to ever play in the National Football League came out of HBCUs, the Walter Paytons of the world, the Jerry Rices of the world, the Jackie Slaters of the world, the list goes, Buck Buchanan, Willie Depp, the list, the list goes uh, on and on and on in terms of some of the greatest players to ever play, Willie Lanier, uh, to play in the Hall of Fame came out of, I'm sorry, the play in the National Football League came out of HBCU. So we, we want to talk a little bit more about that. But also the big news of the week. So last week, Norfolk State decided that it was going to opt out of the spring. And you know that the MEAC had gone from having nine schools playing in, uh, in the spring to six schools playing. Six schools were scheduled to play because you had the opt-out first by Florida A&M, then Bethune-Cookman, and then a couple of weeks ago by North Carolina Central. And so I'm like, okay, you still got six schools. That's good. You know, they all the MEAC did was the Norfolk State was in the north. And remember, I talked about this. That's something that they should do, and they moved Norfolk State from the north to the south. So you had south, so you had three on one side, Three teams on another side still would have been able to play in the have the MEAC championship game, the first ever MEAC football championship game. And once Norfolk State opted out, it was in serious trouble to have the championship game. So I thought ultimately that the MEAC may decide to cancel the football championship game. No, the MEAC ultimately decided 
to cancel the spring season. Now, member institutions are not bound by that per se. They just, you know, I mean, you can play non-conference games. You can play conference opponents. Obviously, the MIAC, in essence, is not sponsoring football in the spring. That's what that means. Doesn't mean you can't play. Well, the first school to ultimately and officially say that it was not going to play in the spring either was North Carolina A&T. Shortly after that announcement was made, this was about 2 o'clock, I received the press release uh, released from the MIAC, and I was like, wow. Oh, wow. And I wondered, okay, will other teams decide to ultimately play? Well, A&T was the first to say that it ultimately wasn't going to play, had a chance to be on that press conference. It was with the athletics director, Earl Hilton. Also, Sam Washington, the head football coach, was on that press conference uh, as well. And, and actually, Earl Hilton was asked a question in terms of finances, how deep in the hole via COVID is North Carolina A&T? And he said right about $300,000 or so, which is a lot. But he also said that they, they were able to make it up through other means. And so, uh, and because when you look at it, and it, and it, and it was going to become a question, and it's still going to be a question mark on the table for the SWAC, because also, speaking of the SWAC, Old Corn State has opted out of the spring season. And a lot of, you know, you have some schools that aren't happy about it. I mean, actually, um, Roman Banks, who's the athletics director at Southern, very vocal uh, about it, not happy about it at all because for for Southern, specifically for Southern, Southern only had two home games. One of those home games was Alcorn State. And so, you know, in essence, Roman Banks said, hey, we're all having to deal with this. I mean, if you're going to cancel foot, if you're going to cancel football, why are you still going to do spring activities? Whatever the case may be. I mean, that's up to Alcorn State. I'm all about the safety of the players, but it does bring up an interesting point. I mean, if you're going to have spring activities, why not play the schedule? I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it's going to be, I mean, the, the SWAC is in a different position because, A, up until Alcorn State decided to cancel, all 10 of its schools were going to play. Plus, this week, the SWAC put out its ESPN schedule. So quite a few games on ESPNU, the majority of the games on ESPN3, a lot of matchups involving Jackson State, who, by the way, has paused football activities due to COVID-19. So I tell you, it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting situation. You had a lot of things that came out this week. MIAC deciding no football. Alcorn State deciding no football. You had the release of the SWAC schedule. I mean, it's a lot going on right now. Box to Row had just released its All-America. Well, that was a couple of weeks ago, but had just released its coaches, or we released our coaches poll this year where A&T sat at the top of the poll, followed by Alcorn State in the preseason poll. Uh, was in the process next week on Monday of releasing also the media poll uh, as well. So, uh, you know, I'll I, I tell you what, I mean, I think there are going to be some more teams that are ultimately going to opt out right now. The only teams that you're having that are playing in HBCU football uh, right now, I believe Edward Waters is playing. West Virginia State is playing in the uh, in the Mountain East Conference, which it, which is still continuing. Um, you know, Tennessee State 
is still playing. Hampton had already opted out. None of the MEAC schools uh, and then all of the SWAC schools but Alcorn State are still in it. Uh, there may be uh, – oh, and Langston is in it also. Everybody else is done, but I have a feeling as we approach the season, the SWAC is now about two weeks away or actually two weeks away from the start of its season. We're going to have some more teams to opt out. Definitely speaking the truth to you today here on Box to Row. I'm going to have some more thoughts a little bit later on in the program. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Going to be joined by Super Bowl champion Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to join us here on the program. Up next here on the program, want to talk more. What does this mean? So now the MEAC has ultimately decided to cancel the football season. As mentioned, a couple of schools are still going to play. Delaware State, Howard, South Carolina State still going to play. A&T has already announced that it's out. Norfolk, uh, well, we had already mentioned that Norfolk State is out, but some other teams um, are going to be out as well. What does this mean for the MEAC moving forward as a conference? Next year, still going to have six teams which is a decent amount of teams. Do we foresee some other teams ultimately leaving? And boy, I tell you what, it, it, it really is too bad that the MEAC couldn't go out on a better foot with Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman, North Carolina A&T, uh, all part of this first ever MEAC football championship before leaving to go to respective conferences but what's the future of the MEAC moving forward? Going to have more thoughts on that. Plus, again, still to come, Super Bowl champion Ryan Smith. You're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row. And you got us on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at box to row and on Facebook at From the Press Box to Press Row. And don't forget to tell your friends to check out all of the latest from box to row Box to Row. Box to Row. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-605-1679. 800-605-1679. 800-605-1679. That's 800-605-1679. Paid for by GoHealth. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. 
sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. Let's take a look at the Box to Row National Players of the Week. First off, Dariana Lewis is a forward from Alabama A&M. Had a very good week. Averaged 17.5 points, 16 rebounds, 2.5 blocks, and made 15 of 20 field goals. That's 75% in two victories. For the Lady Bulldogs last week, she matched season highs with 19 points and four blocked shots, pulled down 15 rebounds at Texas Southern. Then also, the other box to row national player of the week is Tristan Jarrett. It's one of the best players. I tell you what, this kid can absolutely score for Jackson State. He's a senior from Brownsville, Tennessee, averaged 26 points, And nine and a half rebounds in two victories for the Tigers last week. Recorded his second double-double of the season. Scored 31 points, grabbed 13 rebounds. Also added two steals in the Tigers' victory over Arkansas Pine Bluff. And Tristan Jarrett can absolutely fill it up. As a matter of fact, we had Wayne Brent on the program. The head coach of Jackson State on last week talked a lot about Tristan Jarrett. Could this be the year? I mean, you look at the SWAC right now. It's a lot of teams that are really on rolls. You look at what Grambling is doing right now. Grambling State is on a roll. Prairie View A&M is on a roll. And and so you, you got some pretty good teams in the SWAC. And, you know, Jackson State is right there. Like, Jackson State is right there in that Eastern Division. And you just want to, you know, see if they can finally be able to get over the hump uh, a little bit this year for the Tigers, and we'll see ultimately how things play out. Got a, a long, I mean, really, I mean, I say we have a long way to go in terms of the rest of the games remaining, but I only say that because you never know what's going to happen with COVID. If our game's going to be uh, postponed, I mean, this week in the SWAC, it looks like a pretty healthy schedule in terms of, of the number of games, you're going to have four games uh, on Saturday and I believe also four on Sunday, which a lot of times in the SWAC, we've seen the SWAC have just two games maybe on a weekend. So a healthy schedule for the SWAC, and hopefully we can continue that as we look to wind down the season and look to SWAC tournament play. So back to the MEAC. And, I mean, I, I've said this. When I thought A&T, when, well, when A&T left or said it was going to leave after this season and join the Big South, and, of course, that press conference happened actually a year ago this month. I mean, to me, hey, A&T is doing what A&T feels like it has to do. And just, to, just for those that um, don't know, A&T has decided or last year decided to join the Big South Conference, the Big South, that's where the uh, another HBCU is, Hampton, but it's made up of teams, you know, like Campbell, UNC Asheville, uh, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. Monmouth, the list goes on and on in terms of Kennesaw State, so on and so forth. 
and I'm and I think from a you know from a couple of moves, man, I think it's a good move for North Carolina A and T. Ultimately, less travel for the student athletes also means less revenue with respect to the overall travel, and more specifically, when you're talking about non revenue sports. So I think it's a good move. Plus, it's you know A and T is the biggest HBCU. And it gives A&T, who is excellent, has an excellent engineering program, excellent in computer science. It, it, it broadens the horizons of the university as a whole. And so uh, I think it, think it was a good move on a lot of uh, accounts for North Carolina A&T. Okay, that's the backstory for A&T. But I'm still like, okay, the MEAC's in good shape. But then when Florida A&M left, I'm like, ah, because when you look at Florida A&M and you look at, the history of the football program. I mean, it's it's one of the better football programs of all time. So you lose that, even though it hasn't been in the me. I mean, it's been outside of the MEAC more years than it's been in the MEAC. If you look at the totality of the history of Florida A&M, then of course Bethune Cookman followed a couple of weeks later. Now I'm like, ooh, you know, the the MEAC in a little bit of trouble. But I think with six teams. You could still make it work. And I thought that this would be the year that the MEAC could go out on a great note. Again, conference football championship game. You're going to have nine teams that were participating, and it was going to be a great thing. And then you had Florida A&M say, eh, now we're going to do something else. Uh, Again, making that move, getting ready to make that move to the SWAC. You said the Bethune-Cookman did the same thing. Then North Carolina Central seemed like a couple of it was a couple of weeks ago. The Eagles said, "Ah, we're gonna we're gonna forego this one." And, and again, to me, I, I I look at North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central is very fiscally responsible. Remember, NCCU has not been in Division One of the MEAC, not even fifteen years. Uh, Two thousand seven is when. North Carolina Central made the move. So being very fiscally responsible, because if you really look at this, like who's really making money? I mentioned it in the last segment. A&T says we're going to lose $300,000 from our athletic budget uh, or a loss of $300,000 because of COVID. Only a few schools are making money. Prairie View, one of them, A&T is another one. There's a couple of other schools um, that are, but there are some schools that definitely are not making money. So, I mean, you know, especially if you're FAMU, Bethune, A&T, and I, I didn't get the sense that for A&T, I got the sense from the press conference that A&T really wanted to play this football season. It wasn't a thing of money, well, you know, we can save a couple of dollars. You're not going to make a whole lot of money. I would have to think that with the football championship game, I, I, my thought would be that the MEAC uh, really – uh, had this thing where they had some sponsorship because it was a big deal. And even when it was down to six teams, they made the move, said, no, folks, State, you're going to move to the South. We're going to have three and three. Each school plays the team in their respective division twice. We're going to still have this conference championship game. And when Norfolk State said we're out, that was it. Like the MEAC was done. No more, no conference championship game, five teams. I mean, I think you still could have played a football season, but I think for – the MEAC, it was all or nothing. It was either football championship game or nothing. And that's ultimately what happened to the MEAC. Moving forward now, like, 
What does this mean for next year with respect to the MEAC? What does it mean for the Celebration Bowl? Now, the Celebration Bowl, a date has already been set. Uh, they, if you go on the Celebration Bowl's website, I think it's like December 18th or whatever that Saturday is. It's already pretty much the date uh, is set. But, I mean, you know, I, I look at what's coming back and, and good for, you know, Delaware State and good for South Carolina State and good for Howard to continue to play. If that's what they want to do, good for them to continue to play uh, these games to really get ready for the 21 season because I think they look at it, well, you know, instead of having a spring practice, why not play these games and we can get some some competition, only, you know, a handful of games and then get ready for that 2021 season because I think right now for the 2021 season on paper, I mean, I think you would have to say, I, I would say that South Carolina State is the favorite. They're the defending uh, MEAC co-champion along with a and I mean, I like what Norfolk State is going to bring to the table. Quarterback situation is definitely tight for the Spartans. But the MEAC went from having a better uh, conference, football-wise, top to bottom, right? And so, and, and you, I mean, you're, now you have 12 teams. But, you know, I, I mean, I think if the, if the MEAC can keep the six teams – that it has, then ultimately I think it can, can it, it it'll move forward. But if anybody else defects, boy, that's that's going to be detrimental to the MIAC. I also think that the MIAC. I mean, hopefully the MIAC is actively recruiting. I wrote a piece about this um, uh, some time ago. You know why not? And I I don't know what the viability of a of of, of a Bowie State or certainly I think a Virginia State is in good position in terms of from a facility standpoint, but the money may not be right to make a move from D2 to D1. But the, the MEAC's going to have to do something. Do you think outside of the box and go get a try to go get a West Virginia State um, who, who's, who's actually doing pretty good in basketball uh, right now out of the Mountain East Conference? It's the only HBCU um, that's in the Mountain East Conference. And, and, and really, to be fair, it's not like the MEAC is only looking for HBCU schools. Uh, you know, so, but I don't know. I, boy, the MEAC, this, this has been, COVID has been a true detriment to the last year of the MEAC in terms of what we thought we were going to see as Florida, as A&T, Florida A&M, and Bethune-Cookman all made exits from the MEAC to join other conferences, uh, most obviously the Big South for A&T and the SWAC for both Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, going to talk with Ryan Smith, Super Bowl champion who played his collegiate football at North Carolina Central. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman. As a matter of fact, his team just won the Super Bowl. An honorable mention, Box to Row All-American back in 2015. Former fourth-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2016 NFL Draft. He's Ryan Smith. Played, of course, his 
Collegiate Football at North Carolina Central. Ryan Smith joins us here on Box to Row. Ryan, congratulations. Welcome back to the program. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. This must have been is this this time it, the last couple of days must have been a whirlwind for you. Yeah. It um I can't even explain it. Yeah, I mean just all that is going on, winning the Super Bowl, just take me through that. What was that like when the zeros were on the clock at the end of the game? Just just talk to us a little bit about your feelings. My feeling, um, like I said, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's a feeling that I never, ever experienced or had before. Um, me telling you how I felt won't even, it won't even justify the, the real feel, like the feel that I had, that I still have. Um, I'm living it up right now, man. It's just a blessing. Um, I definitely got that interception to definitely fill the game. It was over after that, man. It was, I just ran on the field and it's, I just started rolling around. It's, it's been a long season. It's been a tough year. And to finish like that, man, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah, not not quite like winning a, a championship at North Carolina Central, right? But you won one. You won one at, at, with the Eagles. Man, that has nothing. I, I did, but that has nothing on this right here, man. Nothing at all. Like, I, yeah, I won. It's a blessing to win that. But this right here. Yeah, no question about it. Ryan Smith, of course, defensive back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, joins us here on Box to Row. So you got to tell me about the boat parade, man. Like, what what was that like? Man, when I say that was the best experience of my life, I'm still, like, smiling about yesterday. Like, it was so crazy. And it was the last minute because I think at first – the parade was supposed to be on Friday or Saturday, but um, DA said, you know, nobody's going to be here, so we got to do Wednesday or we can't do it. So we, ba- we we found out about the parade Tuesday, Tuesday midday. And so for them to put all that together in such short notice, and the time that we had on the boat, like people, everybody was just having time of their lives. Like, didn't have, didn't have a care in the world what happened. They just, we're going to live in this moment. And that was the best time ever. Like, I never had that much fun in my life. Ever. Ever. It was so fun. Man, that is so awesome. So what were you thinking when you saw Tom Brady throw the Lombardi Trophy from one boat to the other? I didn't even see him do it. But when I, when, when I seen the video, I was like, only Tom. Only Tom can do that. That's crazy. <laughs> like, well, I don't even know what why he thought to do that, but it looked cool though. It definitely looked cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think only he could have. You know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the Lombardi Trophy's carrying a little weight. So you know, I mean, he still got like he still got. I and you know, I couldn't believe it. Like I would hear throughout the course of the season, like Tom Brady doesn't have the arm strength, and I'm thinking, are you watching these games? He's got that arm strength, right? Man, that's why I don't even pay attention to me and, and things people say. I don't know what they be talking about. And for for somebody to even think that was okay to say is baffling to me. <laughs> no question about it. Ryan Smith joins us here on the program. Speak, you know, because you've been with this organization for five years, so you know the inner workings. There's been some changes. Obviously, Bruce Arians uh, comes in. And, I mean, you could see that this team – 
had the the makings of a team that could really do some big things, even going back to last year. Speak to uh, what the addition of Tom Brady and some of the other guys uh, meant towards obviously helping this Buccaneer uh, organization win its second Super Bowl. Man, we um, Tom definitely made an impact. Obviously, um, I felt like we always had the weapons to make it to the playoffs. Um, the Super Bowl was never, I mean, I never thought about Super Bowl, but as far as making it to the playoffs and getting far in a season, I felt we always had the weapons to do that. The difference about, the difference about Tom is, I mean, of course, it's a passing league, it's a quarterback league, you know, and a quarterback, you need a quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Tom is a, he's a game manager, you know, and no disrespect to Jameis, but with Tom experience, he knows, I mean, he knows how to win. Um, so you add Tom with the weapons we already had, and then you added more weapons, it was, was destined for greatness, right? It's, I mean, it was, it was it's, it's supposed to be like this. Yeah, you add him. I mean, just a, a, a plethora of receivers already there. You add Antonio Brown. Speak to, you know, because you go up in practice all year, and even, even, even last year and the previous years, you've gone up against this receiver core in practice. What – you know, what has that been like? And then a lot of those guys are veterans, been in the league a little bit longer than you. How has that, you know, sort of helped you uh, in your preparation for specifically playing uh, a defensive back position opposed to special teams? Um, it helped me a lot as far as um, staying, on my, staying on my stuff, like knee fighting and everything, just because, like you said, I go, I go against them every day. They, they're the best in the game. So, um it's like whenever they keep me on my toes. So whenever, you know, I have to go in a game and somebody get hurt, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not like falling off or anything like that. I can still play corner. Like, I'm, I'm really like that. So um, going against them helped me a lot. Um, they be teaching me new things, not even knowing they're teaching me. Like, I'll be like, when we go in practice, they do certain things. I'm like, all right, cool. So this time I'm going to do this. If he does this, like things like that. So they really, like I said, they keep me on my toes and keep me prepared just in case, you know, I have to go in a game. Super Bowl champion Ryan Smith joins us here in the program. Of course, played his collegiate ball at North Carolina Central. Can you speak to sort of how your career has progressed with Tampa Bay in now your fifth or having just completed your fifth season? Um, it's it's uh, it's not going. I mean, it didn't go how I expected. As far as you know, um, not playing on defense a lot, but at the same time, man. I know I know how they how they feel about me, how they think about me, and um, it keeps me going. You know, um, I'm it's, I'm I'm blessed to be here. You know, I say that all the time. Even though, you know, it's not like college where um, I was the guy or one of the guys, one of the stars on the team. But um, it's definitely a blessing still being here and, and, and helping us and helping the team get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I got a lot left in me. You know, I'm I'm, I'm still young. I'm healthy. Um, so next year, you know, we're going to see what happens, but I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely excited to still be here. Yeah, no question about it. And I mean, you guys have got to be the favorites for next year, you know, as we speak your days, let me take you back to those days at North Carolina central again, winning, uh, you know, your last season, uh, going out as MEAC champs. What do you remember most about those days at North Carolina central? Man, I miss those days, especially my senior year. Those days were so much fun. Um, 
especially the last game of the season to play A and that that game was amazing. Like I had everybody had so much confidence and swag about them going into that game. <clears throat> um, just because you no know, A and T they are rivals. So it's like you can have a terrible season the whole year. But as soon as you play A and T, oh yeah. Everybody everybody on go. So uh that's playing that century was very was, was was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Then you know, I pledged and I knew a lot of people, I had a lot of support. So um every game was, was, was special. Yeah, and then can you speak to you know, we're we're DMV guys, right? Like you went to Wise, you know, and, and all that. Uh, you know, t- talk about I mean it's different, like, you know, it's different in the DMV, right? Like, talk about how that even prepared you growing up there uh, for North Carolina Central. Oh, yeah, it's definitely different. Um, people be sleep on us, man. Like, like we don't got athletes <laughs> coming out of DMV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we really like that over here. But um, it's crazy because when I went to Central, I was, like, in a whole new um, environment, you know. I felt like my mom, you know, she just dropped me off and left me. I was by myself. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know it when I one soul out there. But it definitely prepared me for life, man, because um, Durham, Durham in the hood. And, you know, you're at HBCU. So uh, you got to do a lot of stuff on your own. You know, you're really, you really getting out the mud, like for real, for real. So uh, it prepared me. It definitely prepared me a lot in life. <laughs> And you know what, man? Like, like, but I, I mean, okay. So yeah, you know, I'm, I, I've got some years on you, and the football, you know, when we were coming through, it's 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 good. It's much better now. Basketball's been the mainstay. It's, it was when I was coming through, and it is now still. Uh, but you know, you got guys like Chase Young. I mean, the football is getting a lot better in the area. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, people starting to notice. You know, I feel like we always had them dogs. It's just people wasn't really noticing. Like, like you know, you got your your basketball. Like Maryland is pretty much a basketball state. You know, like Florida is a football state for real. You don't really see too many basketball players in, in, in Florida. You see basketball players in Maryland, though. So it's like, I guess, you know, people just were starting to produce. Not starting to produce. We've been producing. We're just getting more notice. Um, we're doing it. And it's going to get better. Last thought, Ryan. We appreciate the time. So what – like you know, you're still on this whirlwind. What's next, man? We're like, what, what do you, what do you, you know, what's your sort of your off season gonna be like? Uh, and 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 uh, you know, how long are you gonna take to kind of enjoy this before you get back at at, at things to prepare for the uh, 2021 season? Um, that's funny. I, 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 on my live, not my live, my Instagram page, I told everybody I'm I'm showing my butt for two weeks. I don't want to hear nothing from nobody. I ain't even think about nothing past that. I was being silly, of course, but um. I'm just living, I'm just lifting up this moment, man. I don't even I'm not even thinking about you know next season right now, man. Because this we had a long season and we had a fun season. And I'm just I'm just soak this in for now and think about when I'm a train later. I probably start like in a March or something, but um, yeah, right now I'm just having fun, man. Rest my body, trying to travel and just enjoy enjoy this. It's a beautiful thing. The only North Carolina Central Eagle to win a Super Bowl, former. All-American at North Carolina Central. Just completed his fifth season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is Ryan Smith. He is a Super Bowl champion, and he joins us here on Box to Row. Ryan, great to catch up with you, man. Again, congratulations and continued success in all you do. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate it.
Ryan Smith still on cloud nine after the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. And good for him. He says, you know, he's not even thinking about it. He's going to just enjoy the moment, enjoy the time. I don't blame him. Uh, he signed prior to this season a one-year contract with Tampa Bay. And uh, so his contract, he has originally, when they drafted him, signed a four-year deal, signed a one-year deal for 2020. So um, he's, in essence, a free agent for 2021. So, you know, he's got to weigh a couple of things. Like, does he want to come back, try to make that run to the championship again, maybe get a little bit more burn? You heard him. He says, hey, you know, I'm excited right now, but, I, you know, he, he wants to be obviously more of a contributor to the team. And so could he go somewhere else and be more of a contributor? Uh, we'll see. So he obviously has a decision to make. And by the way, on that Tampa Bay team, not only Ryan Smith from North Carolina Central, but you had two other two other HBCU players, Quentin Bell of Florida A&M, and then Nick Leverett also was a North Carolina Central uh, product. He ultimately, uh, his last year, was, I think, was it 2018 maybe at Central, and then he ultimately decided to transfer to Rice and uh, finish out his career at Rice, signed with the uh, Buccaneers as a free agent. So you had three HBCU players that were on the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you want to react to anything that Ryan Smith had to say in by the way, a really, really good player at North Carolina Central for all four years that he was with the Eagles. Really, really, really good player. Uh, an excellent uh, return man in, the, uh, in, in terms of punts and kickoffs and then uh, was a really good cornerback as well. If you want to react to anything that Ryan Smith had to say, hit me up via Twitter, Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We've got more on the other side. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Amari Hardware, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. On ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And the last segment talked with Super Bowl champion Ryan Smith. Gain, if you want to react to anything that he had to say, hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O. R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. 
Well, you look at some of the teams really struggling to try to make it through the basketball season due to COVID. And if you hadn't heard, Howard University, the men's program, has shut down, has shut down its program for the rest of the year, uh, as they say, due to concerns uh, related to the coronavirus. And so all of the anticipation with respect to the Bison and McCure Maker uh, coming in and, you know, he's a five-star recruit and, you know, Howard's going to be great and all of those things just never got off to a good start. I mean, he played, in essence, two games and uh, they say they shut him down uh, for in uh, really just at that time, it, it, there was no timetable in terms of his return because he had a groin injury. Then we never heard anything from him after that. The Bison and it really played three more basketball games. The Bison, the Howard Bison has played a total of five basketball games this year and then ultimately shut it down. And I think it's, it, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, I, I've had some thoughts on this. I've shared some thoughts here. I've also written um, about this. And again, for me, um, it, it's great. You know, five stars and all of that. I mean, HBCUs for the longest time had been getting five-star players, just didn't call them uh, five-star players. And, I mean, I, I, you know, I look at this situation and I'm just – you know, something isn't right about the whole situation. This kid goes down. You you put basically all of your hopes on this kid playing, plays in two games, has a groin, you shut him down, and then you play three more games. And that was in, what, the middle of, uh, well, towards the latter part of November when the season kicked off. So, and then, of course, this week they mentioned, I mean, they said they're going to shut down. So you mean to tell me that in about almost two and a half months that you could only play three more basketball games? I, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I haven't done the research. But, I mean, tell me a team that has played in anywhere in the country that is still actively playing. Now, we have had some teams that I, I believe we've had some teams, at least I know on the women's side, that have decided to shut down and, and earlier than Howard did, that have decided to shut down for the rest of the year after starting out. Show me a team that has only played five basketball games. That is what Howard has played, five basketball games. This, and, and listen, I'm going to tell, I'm going to, hey, look, this needs not to be an indictment on HBCUs, I think if a five-star and four-star recruits ultimately want to come to our schools, I mean, I think it's great. I think hopefully that those players are coming for the right reasons. So, you know, you look at what Jackson State is doing and you look at what Deion Sanders and Jackson State is doing in football and, you know, football and basketball is, you know, it's apples and oranges. I get it, but he's getting some really big-time kids to ultimately come there. And they're not necessarily coming there for Jackson State. They're coming there for Deion Sanders. And that's okay because it's a win-win. It's a win-win situation. It helps to elevate HBCUs. Uh, and ultimately, 
those players are going to get something out of that. Now, I think hopefully you'll see Jackson State really increase its schedule. I mean, I, I you know, I hope to see Jackson State as, as great at the gate as those, uh, as those SWAT games are. I mean, I hope to see Jackson State take some games on the road and play some of those FBS opponents because those are good paydays too. Right, four or five hundred thousand dollar contact uh, contracts. You bring the sonic boom in the south, right? You bring the band. You're talking about six, seven hundred thousand dollars that Jackson State can make. But something just isn't right about this Mercure Maker situation and Howard. I'm going to be interested to see what happens moving forward. And to me, you know, and I've said this to a couple of people. If if I wanted to go. I mean, Howard is a great school. It is a great academic school. It is an internationally known school for its academics, for its athletics, not so much. And if I'm, you know, like if I'm a four and five star guy, like, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, not trying to bash Howard, but I'm, I'm, I mean, my first choice is not going to be Howard. If I'm a four or five star guy and I want to play basketball, I'm going to be looking, they're going to be, Four schools, if it's me, that I'm going to be looking at if I want to take my game, if I want to, you know, do something that's admirable by playing at an HBCU, knowing that I may be a one or one and done kid, perhaps a two year kid, get what I need and move on to the next level. These are the the four schools I'm going to go to and not necessarily in this order. I'm going to go to Texas Southern. Why am I going to go to Texas Southern? It's a large market. Johnny Jones is the head men's basketball coach. Johnny Jones coached at LSU, coached Ben Simmons. He also was an assistant coach at LSU and coached Shaq. So, I mean, he he knows how to get players to the next level, plus he has inroads. The other schools I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at Morgan State. I'm going to look at what Morgan State has to offer. Again, you're talking about a, a basketball market being Baltimore, not that far from Washington. Um, you're talking about, you know, a city environment. You're talking about a coach in Kevin Brodus, who again was a, was a coach at Maryland and right. And has that love for HBCUs as an HBCU grad. He's going to try to do everything he can. He's got a good program. He's running a good program. Morgan state is doing well. Uh, I would consider going to North Carolina central. Uh, because Lavelle Moton has a lot of inroads. Uh, Central's got an excellent program. Uh, Moton's an excellent coach. And I think you, you could get some things done there. And then the other program I would consider is A&T. It's the largest HBCU. Got a good program. Um, I think Will Jones is doing a really, really good job there. And to me, it's a program on the rise. What sort of may you know, disqualify the latter two or is there in smaller markets. A&T is in Greensboro and North Carolina Central is in Durham. Um, if you're looking for, you know, a bigger market, if you will, more, you know, publicity, if you will, you know, Houston's big time market. Baltimore is a nice size market, obviously, as well, so I, you know, I, I, it's unfortunate. I just think it's unfortunate that it's come to this. I'm gonna be, but again, I'm gonna be keeping my eye on that situation, and I want to see what happens moving forward. Does Maker ultimately now decide to 
um, pursue a professional career, maybe not in the NBA because he wasn't ready for the NBA. You know, he had gone to those camps. He didn't do so well. He didn't get invited to the top 100 prospects, uh, the prospect camp that the NBA had, what, maybe like a couple of months ago, right? So, you know, what does he do moving forward? Does he pursue a professional career overseas? Does he uh, maybe try to go the G League route? Does he come back to Howard? Be interested to see what happens there ultimately moving forward. But that's an unfortunate situation, but not a knock on HBCUs who still have something to offer and in a lot of res- and really more than just basketball but there's some pretty good basketball at the schools. Give me your thoughts, Macure Maker and Howard, what happens next? Anything that I had to say on Twitter uh, and on Facebook, I've got to get ready to run here. I'm from the press box to press row. Thank you to Ryan Smith for joining us today on the program. Don't forget to check out the website, BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com, the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Right now we are featuring Delaware State. Had a chance to catch up with Rod Milstead, the head coach at Delaware State. Of course, if you remember that name, he won a Super Bowl while a player in the National Football League is a graduate of Delaware State. was a really, really good player when he played at uh, Delaware State as an offensive lineman in the National Football League. So check out that interview as he talks about the Delaware State program. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Time for this show to drop the lid. That'll do it for this week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Join us again next week for an in-depth look at historically black college athletics and the biggest news stories of the day.